gentlemen, this is the Truckers Podcast, current events, local, world news, and trending. I'm your host, Doug, from London, Ontario, Canada, and it is the return to school starting tomorrow. And we'll also talk about uh, what is Labor Day uh, this morning. And we're also going to mention uh, Safety First. The 5,300 first-year students moving into Western University housing and the London police to monitor key neighborhoods and the unvaccinated Ontario teachers must submit to two rapid testings of COVID-19 per week. Thank you for joining me this morning. Well, good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the show. You know, today, Labor Day, here across Canada, North America, and in other parts of the world who recognize Labor Day. And what is it about? Now, you know, for, for, the, for the, the, uh, the Labor Day, um, you know, for many, uh, Labor Day signals the end of summer. It also, well, good morning or good afternoon. Are you there? I have a caller on the line. Can you hear me? Oh, you're just breaking up, sir. Good morning. I don't know if it's on your end or not. I don't think it's on my end for this connection. I will continue on with the show here. And if this caller can hear me, that's great. If not, he'll have to try again uh, to connect because I don't think um, he is connected or not. Um, he's not flashing on the screen. But anyways, ladies and gentlemen, for the first Labor Day, the, uh, the signals the end of the summer uh, but what evolved in just another long weekend began, began as a massive working class demonstration in the streets of Toronto. Now, you know, in a time when workers' rights are taken for granted and even workers' benefits have come to be expected, it's no wonder that the origins of Labor Day are confined to the history books. What evolved into just another summer holiday began as a working class struggle in a massive demonstration of solidarity in the streets of Toronto. 
Canada was changing rapidly during the second half of the 19th century. Immigration was increasing, cities were getting crowded, and the industrialization was drastically altering the country's economy and the workforce. And as machines began to replace our automate many workers processes, employees found they no longer had um, any special skills to offer employers. Workers could easily be replaced if they complained or descended on. So we were often unable to speak out against low wages, long work weeks, and deplorable working conditions. Now, for over, you know, three years, the Toronto Printers Union had been lobbying as employers for a shorter work week, inspired by workers in Hamilton, who had begun the movement for a nine-hour workday. And the Toronto's printers threatened to strike if their demands were not met. And after repeatedly being ignored by the employers, the workers took bold action on March 25th, 1872, and they went on strike. Now, this movement over the centuries and decades of the pioneers of Labor Day had set the stage for workers' rights in the workplace. Where no longer employers can take advantage of you, make you work in deplorable conditions, make you work long hours. Workers today have rights. Unions evolved over time when at one point in time, unions were illegal. And now we have unions everywhere. And either you're, whether you're in a union or not, workers still have rights. And thanks to the pioneers of setting up a Labor Day movement. We have safer workplaces. Now, the employers were forced to take notice. And this was led by George Brown. He was, he was the founder of the Toronto Globe. He is a notable liberal. The publisher retaliated. Brown brought in workers from nearby towns to replace the printers. As we know them today, we could call them scabs. Scabs workers. He even took legal action to quell the strike and had the 
strike leaders charged and arrested for criminal conspiracy. Now, the prime minister back in that time was John A. MacDonald. Now, if you listen to my show uh, last night, the first prime minister of Canada in the residential school system. You may want to check that episode, episode out from last night. Now, he was watching the events unfold and quickly saw that the, the political benefit of siding with the workers. Sir A. Macdonald spoke out against Brown's actions at a public demonstration at City Hall, gaining the support of the workers and embarrassing his liberal rival. Macdonald passed the Trade Union Act, which repealed the outdated British law and, and decriminalized the unions. The strike leaders were released from jail. It's funny how back in that era that people could just think they could just take liberties on their workers and have them charged and, and thrown in, in, in jail for conspiracy. Now the workers still not did not obtain their immediate goals of a shorter work week. In fact, many still lost their jobs. They did, however, discover how to regain the power they lost in the industrialized economy. The strike proved that workers could gain the attention of their employers, the public, and most importantly, their political leaders if they worked together. The nine-hour movement, as it became known, spread to other Canadian cities and a shorter work, work week became the primary demand of unions, workers, in the years following the Toronto strike. Now, and over time, Labor Day strayed from its origins and evolved into a popular celebration enjoyed by the masses. It became viewed as the last celebration of summer and a time for picnics, barbecues, and shopping. As we do that today. And today marks. You know, the last day for summer vacation back to school, summer holidays are finished. Now, you know, it is really something to, to celebrate these pioneers of Labor Day. for what we have today 
in the laws that protect all workers. Now, as we are returning back to classrooms here in the city of London where I reside, safety first, 5,300 first year students moving into the Western University residence over this weekend. 5,300 first year students moving into Western University this weekend. Now, so far, it has been notably quiet and it has been a really nice weekend weather-wise here across Southern Ontario with temperatures in the low 80s. Generally, even though they're moving in this first weekend and getting ready for classes tomorrow, parties generally breaking out all over the place. Now I've been out and about and haven't really seen much going on. Now, see, you know, last April in the springtime as universities and colleges um, were winding down, And the third wave of the pandemic really taken hold here in Ontario. Off-campus partying. An outbreak of about 132 students with COVID-19. On campus, in residence, every single residence on the campus of the university had an outbreak. This shot our numbers up in the city well over 200, and that was just from university students. This was early April. The government of Ontario, what they did was because, you know, back in March is generally when we have a March break, they moved that up until the middle of April so that people wouldn't travel across the country. And when the, when the March break started in April, At that time, that was the end of in-class learning for thousands and thousands of students across Ontario. University students that lived on campus were asked to leave immediately to go home. Now, with these 5,300 first-year students 
moving into the residence. I hope that it is a lesson learned. And I hope that the, the university here in the city of London whatever their rules are for these students, whether they're first year, second, fourth, whatever the case may be, that they have protocols in place and that they are to be followed. Now the 5,300 first year students moving into 10 residents on campus and instead of the typical two days to move in, students are spaced out in a one-hour intervals over four days to promote physical distancing. The Western University students and college students alike are notorious for their parties. Broughdale Street here in the city of London is the party block. And I'm talking thousands of students, thousands of students would line the streets to party. This is not the time to do anything like that. Because we are here in Ontario, Canada, here in the city of London, Ontario. We are in a fourth wave. Our cases are jumping up over 800 a day. Parents of, of young children are concerned about the in-class learning because we certainly don't want our schools shuttered again. We want our kids going back to online learning. We all have a responsibility and whether you're a first year student returning to college or university We all have a responsibility and we all to we all are to act responsible. Whether it's your first time away from home or this is your last year of the university or college. Now, the beginning of, of, of the university here in London, Ontario, and all universities generally, they have what they have, they call homecoming. And that's past students who have graduated. They have the big football game. parties, 
And I really hope that this doesn't take place start of this school year. Now the city police here in London, Ontario, they are going to monitor these key neighborhoods with the start of the project learn. Now with the return to the campus this weekend, the London police force are encouraging students to party smart. I'm not saying you can't party. Yeah, party smart. We're not going to have thousands and thousands of people in the neighborhood of Brofdale. It's so crowded that, you know, when, when an incident happens, and this has happened, that even the emergency personnel couldn't even get down the streets to even to help people who are injured. This is how ridiculous it was. The streets were so packed that people were sitting on the roofs of houses, partying away. Now this, this, the London police started this project learn is the liquor enforcement and reduction of noise is an increased police presence downtown and in the neighborhoods near the Western university and Fanshawe college. And the police will be monitoring these areas for the first few weeks of the academic year. And please say there's also increased enforcement of bylaws related to parties, fires, noise, litter, etc. And the officers are reminding students to be a good neighbor and celebrate the first weekend on campus responsibly and be a good neighbor, be a good citizen, respect our city. You came from other places across Ontario, maybe other provinces to come into the Western University that you respect our city here. I have lived in this city my entire life. So many of Londoners who were born and raised here. And we don't have to put up with the disruption and the nonsense from students coming from other areas of this country to go to the university. Now, the Western University has, has, has partnered on the project and police say partying smart includes go to a licensed establishment event or a small private house party. Well, you're going to tell university students to go to a small private house party. Are you kidding me right now? Don't post house party locations on social media. Don't attend nuisance or street parties. 
drink responsibly, having fun while being safe. Be respectful of others in the community. Respect the rest of us Londoners who have lived here our entire, our, uh, of our entire lives. Use washrooms. Not someone's backyard. Or maybe the telephone post or the fire hydrant. You got to tell university students and and college students to use washrooms and not someone's backyard. And they're supposed to be smart enough to go to university. They're not telling you not to go out there and enjoy yourself. They want you to go out there and be responsible. But there is always, always a group that can't do anything responsible. But be responsible. And they're the ones that ruin it for everybody else. Now, over the the years uh, of students returning to universities and colleges, the university and colleges have have mandated new rules, you know, about their behaviors. how strict they are when it comes to bad behavior of university students, college students. There's always been remained to be seen what actions are taken against students if they continue with their behavior. Being expelled being kicked out of college or university because you just can't behave yourself because you just think it's a place to come to party. I don't care who pays for your tuition. I don't care if you went and got government assistance to pay for to pay for your tuition or your parents pay for it. I don't care. Whether we have a pandemic going on or not, ladies and gentlemen, Over the course of decades on end, people who go to college, university, moving to the city and just be destructive. Who cares about the neighborhood? Who cares about the neighbors? Who cares about the people that were born and raised here? Well, I do care. There's responsibility in being responsible and still having fun.
marketing the, the, the first time in a long time, you know, even for children returning back to the classroom since mid April starting tomorrow. As thousands and thousands of children return to school when it comes to the vaccines, I mean, if your child is old enough to get vaccinated, then get them vaccinated. Now they're talking about the unvaccinated Ontario teachers must submit to twice weekly COVID-19 testing. Now, over the course of the summer and over the course of the rollout of these vaccines here across Ontario, here across Canada, you have ample time to roll up your sleeves. And why hasn't the Ontario government mandated it that all teachers, staff, faculty, be vaccinated? The Ontario government is enforcing the rules in their own government, saying that all government officials Anybody working for the government here in Ontario has to be fully vaccinated or be fired. And here for the some unvaccinated teachers that you have to submit to twice weekly COVID-19 testing. Now the Ontario public school teachers who choose not to receive or are medically exempt from the COVID-19 vaccination will have to submit to rapid testing at least twice per week. We'll have to go to the nearby pharmacy to do so for the first two weeks of the school. Meaning that we are in shortage of the rapid testing kit. Would you think that the Ontario government would have made sure before even making this sort of announcement that they would have enough supply for the demand? You see that the provincial government, you know, over the course of time have been just dragging their feet, in my opinion dragging their feet on vaccine passports or vaccine cards, which by the way is coming into effect on September 22nd, meaning that if you're not vaccinated and they're giving you up to October, mid-October, so you get, it gives you time to get both shots, that if you are not vaccinated, you will not be going into to dine, uh, to dine in restaurants, you would not be going into movie theaters. You would not be going into gyms. You would not be going into concerts or any sporting events unless you can prove that you're vaccinated. 
but they're not doing this. They didn't, and then they didn't impose, they impose this on, uh, on their teachers. Dragging their feet over this whole time. You can't sit there and tell me that, you know, they weren't working on anything. You're waiting till the last minute to come up with these with these rules for your teachers. And for the first two weeks of school until about September 20th, most schools and board offices will not yet have access to the rapid testing kits. So unvaccinated teachers are being directed to the local pharmacies to complete the testing. And the government is authorizing pharmacies to provide publicly funded COVID-19 rapid, the antigen testing services effective Tuesday, tomorrow, until Tuesday, September the 21st. And this will involve temporary uh, free access to rapid testing in the pharmacy setting for those individuals subject to the employer's policy. Those that are not attesting to not being fully vaccinated, individuals subject to the employer policy will need to show a valid ID and a letter from their employer. Now, children returning back to school for for the in-class learning, you know, they will have to still in class during the lessons wear their mask. When they go outside, they don't have to do that. They're asking children, you know, to stay in small groups, social distance where you can. And that's all we can ask of children because children just love to go outside and play. Children are going to be really happy to see their friends as they return to the classrooms. It is important for all of us, not just teachers. to set in an example. And maybe because some of these teachers for medical reasons is why they can't get vaccinated or they just haven't gone out and done it. Is dragging their feet. You know, maybe hoping that the government is not going to say too much. But if the government is going to come out with these vaccine passports or vaccine cards for the general public, in order to enjoy your indoor dining, movie theaters, gyms, 
concerts, sporting events. Then they should have mandated it for all teachers to be fully vaccinated before school starts. Universities and colleges, corporations, businesses, all across Ontario and parts of Canada have mandated it that you to be fully vaccinated. And like I said, even the government itself, the provincial government itself says that all employees of the federal government or the provincial government be fully vaccinated or face termination. Now, I guess with the kids returning to school tomorrow and, you know, as, as the week goes on, um, I guess the, the, the teachers will be assessing um, students um, to where they are at um, in their grade and, and their and their learning, you know, because this past, you know, this this past school year has, has been nothing but a wash, you know, with, with kids doing online learning. Maybe it was easier for some, but difficult for others. So that's going to take some time for these teachers to assess um, each student. And they'll sort of know where they're at because, you know, they know that the student, um, you know, stayed online the whole time participating in the lessons. And they know the ones that had logged off and not had returned after break or lunch and they know. They obviously have kept record. And it's going to be difficult. It's going to be difficult for the young kids. You know, kids are in grade one and two. You know, they don't want to sit in front of a laptop or a computer or an iPad, whatever was available to them. And they're at home. They just want to just go out and play. The other problem students are facing this year is the shortage of school bus drivers. There's going to be a lot of kids we're just going to have to be driven to school for the time being until they can figure this out. And this comes, you know, and this comes over wages. You know, school bus driver, you know, generally are semi-retired or retired people, you know, um, making anywhere from, you know, $15 an hour to $19 an hour. You know, it's a split shift, you know, morning and afternoon. 
you know, to whereas, you know, like, you know, the city bus driver, you know, making $36 an hour. And the city bus drivers, um, their, their, their driver's license to drive a city bus is less than what it is to drive a school bus. There's more training that goes in, into, into driving school bus than there is to go to drive a city bus. And yet the wages are still down low. And part of the reason why they're still down low is because um, school boards alike, you know, it's like that bid on the school bus. So the school bus companies. And of course they take the lower bids. So then, you know, the wages are less. If they want to attract people, semi-retired people or retired people to, you know, drive a school bus, then there has to be at some point in time, you know, where the government needs to step in to say, you know, we have to set a president here and we have to set a bar, you know, when it comes to bidding on, on contracts that they're the same across the board. Wages would go up. But the government has to also be a part of it to, you know, you know, funding, you know, funding the schools as well. So that the school boards put in these bids for the school bus companies. So there's no way to start off a school year when you have a school bus shortage, a shortage of drivers. This will be, you know, it's going to be in the news for some time for sure. You know, so when it comes to that, but, you know, all I can say, you know, right now, ladies and gentlemen, you know, not just to um, the university students, the college students, high school students, public school students. You know, the return to class, even though we are entering a fourth wave, you know, follow the rules. Hopefully we can get through this and hopefully that we don't have to look at, you know, any more school closures and business shutdowns. You know, when, when we're, when we're entering, you know, a third wave or a fourth wave or whatever the case may be, you know, the healthcare professionals always come out and, and they pr have a projection uh, of what the cases may look like, you know, um, by mid-October. And, and here in Ontario, the projection is looking at around 9,000 cases per day. That's the worst case scenario. The least case scenario is about 4,000 a day. 
Now here across Ontario during the third wave, back last April, we were seeing around 6,000 cases per day. And right now we're sitting just over 800 cases per day and school starting tomorrow. Now, hopefully we don't even hit the least case scenario of 4,000 cases per day. Now, that's also going to coincide with outbreaks in schools and how many schools and how many students, businesses alike. And this is why the Ontario government has come out, finally stopped dragging their feet and mandating uh, vaccine passports or a vaccine card in order to hopefully slow this pandemic, slow this fourth wave down Yeah, part of it is to get people vaccinated. To force your hand to roll up your sleeves. And for you anti-vaxxers out there, if you're the kind of people that like to dine in restaurants, go to movie theaters, go to the gym, going to sporting events, going to concerts, well, you're just going to have to roll up your sleeve or you're going to be looking from the outside, looking inside. And that's the way it's going to be. Whether these anti-vaxxers like it or not. And I'm not talking about people who can't get vaccinated. I'm not talking about people who, who actually, you know, cannot get vaccinated because medical conditions. I'm just talking anti-vaxxers because of their ignorance and their stupidity. They're the ones who are going to be standing on the outside looking in. And if that's the way you want to have it, so be it. Because frankly, I don't care. I have done my part. I have always done my part throughout this pandemic. I have taken every precaution that there is. Doing my part by following the rules. And even doing my part to be fully vaccinated. See, I won't have to worry about not being able to go and sit and dine dine indoors in a restaurant or movie theaters or going to the gym or going to or going to sporting events or concerts because you know what? I'm fully vaccinated and I have proof of it. Now, the other thing, there there is this uh, a, a company here in Ontario that uh, uh, came up 
with the uh, QR code, um, all the software, and, and, it, and it's up and running. And they're offering it free to the Ontario government. But the Ontario government wants to, to make their own. using software and, and their own uh, QR uh, code. Which, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, when, when governments do this, it costs money. It's taxpayers' money. But you already have a company that is already has the QR code, that already has the software. Why would you not take it for free? It's being offered to the government for free. Why would they not take it for free? I mean, if they don't trust it, I mean, there's people out there that can look at the the software and how it's set up and be able to tell whether or not it's legit. But oh no, here in Ontario, they just, you know, the government just loves to spend money. And this is another thing, you know, while they're dragging their feet and the QR code is available, why wouldn't you take it? It's free. Why wouldn't you take it? Maybe they'll change their mind. I don't know, because, you know, coming September 22nd, you know, this is when these these, vac- these vaccine passports or vaccine cards start to come into effect. September the 22nd. And they're looking by October to have the QR code all set up with the government when it's already available. Doesn't even make sense, ladies and gentlemen. Just doesn't make sense to me at all. So all these things happening over the course of this weekend, you know, with the teachers that they are going to have to, the unvaccinated teachers are going to have to be, uh, have to submit to twice a week um, testing. And of course, with the uh, Project Learn, the London Police Department. And of course, you know, this being Labor Day and, you know, why, you know, we acknowledge it. Um, It is a statutory holiday here across Canada, North America, other parts of the world who follow Labor Day. So being the last day of your summer holidays, because it's not the last day of summer. Last day of summer isn't until the 20th of September. And today is only the 6th. So we still got two more weeks of summertime. 
And by looking at the forecast, it looks pretty darn nice for the next couple of weeks. And generally, you know, we, you know, here in Ontario, I mean, I guess we could consider us lucky. I mean, even going into the fall time, you know, hitting into October, you know, the first, the, the first Sunday um, in October is Thanksgiving here in Canada. And we can still sit out on our decks in our backyard and enjoy Thanksgiving dinner because it's a really nice weekend. I can't remember the last time that it actually was cold and rainy. So enjoy, you know, you, you know, if you're going back to school, you know, enjoy your last day um, of your summer holidays. But, um, you know, it is still summertime here in Canada and North America, obviously, for another 14 days. So still get out there, enjoy the outdoors. Be safe out there. Give your loved ones a hug. Tell them that you love them. Thank you for joining me this Monday, September the 6th at 9 a.m. Take care. I'm your host, Doug, from London, Ontario, Canada. This is the Truckers Podcast. Thank you.